Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 134 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott taking over here on Oilers Now. It's the Oilers and Sabres tonight in Buffalo. That's the reason for me being behind the uh, captain's ship right now. 3.30 for your face-off show, 5 o'clock puck drop here on 6.30. Chad, the Oilers can start the New Year off right. New Year's Eve got a little bit hairy in that third period. Uh, I think a lot of people there, media, maybe even the players, they thought that one was in the bag. It was, in fact, not 6-5 or 7-5, rather. Ended up being the final after Yamamoto's empty netter. Uh, but that's yesterday's news. That's news from the last decade, as a matter of fact. We're talking about Oilers-Sabres tonight. To do so, Bob was joined earlier on today by our NHL insider, John Shannon, live in Buffalo. Let's hear what they were up to. John, Happy New Year. If I recall correctly, in the first book that I ever read that had multiple swear words in it, Jerry Cheever's book, Goaltender, he made a reference to every day in Buffalo looking like it was the day after New Year's uh, Day. Well, there you go. We're here in Buffalo. It is uh, January 2nd. We've got the Edmonton Oilers and the Buffalo Sabres. John, they've got the exact same goals per game and the exact same goals against per game. That is hard to do. Uh, and I don't think they're separated by many points in the standings, but they've done it completely differently. The Oilers have done it with special teams, and the Sabres have done it with uh, you know, strong, even-strength play. Give me your perspective as to where these two organizations are at right now. You know, it's funny. I, if you had asked me this a month ago, Bob, I would say, wow, Edmonton is way ahead. Edmonton has got their act together, and Buffalo's on their typical November-December swoon. Um, and the Oilers have kind of uh, come back to a bit to reality. Uh, and, and Buffalo continues to have something that the fan base here has seen for the last couple of years is a great start uh, and then a post-U.S. Thanksgiving swoon that puts them back. Uh, it's hard to imagine. They're at NHL 500, Bob. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was possible that this team would fall this quickly, uh, particularly after the, uh, the approach that Ralph Kruger uh, has had with this team and the great play. And let's be honest, the great play of Jack Eichel. Because there's no question in my mind of all the superstars of the National Hockey League, Jack Eichel has made the greatest improvement this season more than any of the others. Okay, how much pressure do you think? I mean, we know the pressure that's on McDavid and Edmonton. Now, he does have Leon Dreisettle, who's going through his whole other challenge as we speak. Uh, but Jack Eichel here in Buffalo, I mean, there, there are guys writing daily pieces on him in the paper about his body language after practice or his cap placement on his head and that sort of thing. I, well, I, I, I think that that was more a regular occurrence prior to this year. Uh, in the games that I have seen, I have noticed a, a real positive difference in Eichel. Uh, the other problem here is, and this may sound familiar to a few people in Edmonton too, is that they went and spent a lot of money on secondary guys like Jeff Skinner who have yet to show up. And Skinner's numbers are, quite frankly, embarrassing for a guy making that kind of money. And now he's out. And now he's hurt. 
but you know, Jason Botterill has, I, I think, has done an okay job here trying to build something, uh, and yet they still can't get over the hump. And, and some of it goes back to goaltending. You know, Carter Hutton has has always had great starts and then can't play before the uh, end of the season. Linus Allmark is one of those guys that they've uh, put their hope in. And again, I'm, that may sound a little bit familiar to people in Edmonton too. There's a ton of similarities between the two franchises. And that's where I want to go. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because if you were to ask, as we're joined by our NHL insider John Shannon, Bob Stauffer with you in Oilers, if you were to ask the regular Oilers fan, this might be the market that, I mean, this is a really good hockey market that has supported this team through thick and thin. Everybody knows that that's happened in Edmonton, right? Everybody knows that's occurred in Edmonton. Edmonton's a Canadian market. But this is as Canadian of a, a mid-size or smaller market as there is. I mean, the proximity dating all the way back to when they first came in the league. The amount of people from southern Ontario that couldn't get Leafs tickets that would come down here. You know, the season ticket base here uh, 20 years ago was probably 50-50. Come across the bridge, uh, people in Hamilton, Niagara Falls, and St. Catharines would uh, go to the odd and then come to this building. Uh, it's changed a little bit. Uh, I would suspect that there's probably 30% of the fan base comes over the bridge now from Canada to go to games. Uh, the, the fan base here has been very loyal. And by the way, when you talk about similarities, similarities go all the way up to ownership. When you look at the investment that the Pagula family have made in downtown Buffalo, with what they've done with hotels, with what they've done with the Harbor Centre, uh, Terry Pagula has put more than $2 billion of his own money into uh, revitalizing downtown Buffalo. And uh, I don't know if you get out of uh, 716, Bob, but uh, it uh, downtown Buffalo is, has, has a new life. And a lot of it is because of what Terry and Kim Pagula have done here. And it's it's comparable to what's happened with Ice District in Edmonton. There, there are a ton of similarities in so many ways. Uh, and I guess it, in the end, it always ends and begins with the number one and two picks of the 2015 draft, right? Right, absolutely. Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel, of course, the Sabres did get the number one pick in the 2018 draft as well. Rasmus Dahlin, they've got, uh, you know, some. their D can definitely move the puck. They probably got two NHL defensemen that aren't playing. Colin Miller's been in and out of the lineup, and uh, Zach Bogosian has uh, asked for a trade, and he's struggling to get in on a nightly basis. Ralph Kruger is the head coach of the Buffalo Sabres. Um, you know, we sort of said he was the Dosecki man, the world's most interesting coach when, was, uh, when he was in Edmonton. Real positive energy guy. Spent all that time, obviously, with Southampton FC. Uh, you, you talked about the fact they've gone down a similar path. Is it similar, but yet different here a bit, just because of Ralph's personality? Well, you know what? I, I would almost say that uh, with what has gone on in coaching, particularly the last two months in the National Hockey League, um, Ralph Kruger and his style of coaching might be the future. Uh, you know, he, he's he's a classic motivational guy. Uh, he does have a, a pretty good background in X's and O's. At the same time, his challenge is always to make it look like the player's idea. How to communicate properly with the players. The irony of all ironies is his best friend in the game of hockey is Mike Babcock. Uh, and they have opposite philosophies of how to coach teams. And But when you think about the hard-ass hockey coach. That's not Ralph Kruger. We all know that. And he's now, I think, as we as we point towards where the next level and style of coaching comes, Kruger's at the at the, the cutting edge of that. The problem becomes is 
Are the players ready for that yet? Are they ready for someone who's as logical and calm and, you know, not condescending to them? And that's, that, that's a real question. And that goes back to patience. Can the fan base be patient? Can the ownership be patient? Can the manager be patient? Um, and can the players be patient? So the first month and a half here, Ralph Kruger was a genius. The last month, Ralph Kruger's having the same issues that every Sabre coach has had for the last two decades. John Shannon joining us on Oilers now. All right, John, the uh, Winter Classic uh, wrapped up yesterday in Dallas. Uh, not a good one for Corey Perry. Got a, off to a tough start there. Not a good one for Ryan Ellis. He could be out after that uh, concussion that he suffered. 85,000 people at the Cotton Bowl. Uh, it's going to be in Minnesota, the state of hockey, next. Uh, this is, and the genesis of this was the Heritage Classic in Edmonton. That was the first one way back in the uh, fall of uh, 2003. Uh, that was the first year I did total sports back in the day. Um, this has become a real boon for the NHL on January 1st, as it down in the States. Oh, it, listen, I, I was lucky enough to be part of the first few of these when I was working at the NHL in New York. Uh, and I still remember the conversation we had with Dick Ebersall and John Miller at NBC when they sat and said, listen, we're going to lose a football game. We're going to lose the Gator Bowl. It's not going to happen on NBC anymore. Do you want the time? And how? And the answer was instantaneous from the commissioner. He says, well, if you will give us the time, what do you want to do with it? And they say, we want an outdoor game. So that's how it started with Pittsburgh and Buffalo here at, uh, at then Ralph Wilson Stadium. Uh, and the tradition began. 27 teams in the NHL have now been involved in outdoor games. Uh, and obviously with the rebirth of the Heritage Classic in Regina this year, I think that we're, we're, we're now to the point where we're going to see minimum two, maximum three outdoor games every year, uh, with one being in Canada. And that will end up being the Heritage Classic and the sponsorship from Tim Hortons. Uh, so from that perspective, uh, it's something that Edmonton, uh, and, and by the way, the people in the New York office in New York have forgotten it. But that's something that people at Edmonton should be very proud of, is that they started a tradition now uh, that the NHL has taken full advantage of. All right, so there could be a uh, Heritage Classic. Now, Edmonton, and next uh, this August, as you know, is hosting the Lake of Gretzky, and then uh, next year at this time, we'll be right in the middle of hosting the World Junior Championship. Does that preclude Edmonton from hosting a 2021 Heritage Classic? Well, that, that's, a, that's a good question. That you know, the, league, the league obviously wants to find sites uh, that, that work. Uh, the neutral site in Regina was a huge success. Uh, I think that uh, everybody from the league left Regina thinking that there is a real, there's really something there. There's a willingness of every team. The, you know, the interesting thing is when you look at Vancouver's hosted an outdoor game, Calgary's hosted one, Edmonton obviously the first, Winnipeg has done one, Toronto has done one, Ottawa's done one. Where's Montreal? Montreal has never hosted an outdoor game. So you have to wonder and think, how do they do it? The biggest problem is they, they don't really have a venue that's acceptable. Molson Stadium is about 3,000 people more than the Bell Center. Yeah. So why would you go outside for 3,000 more people? Uh, and Olympic Stadium, the sight lines are just so awful for hockey. We, we went and looked at it when I was at the league, when the Canadians were trying to do it for their 100th anniversary. It just wouldn't work. Uh, so you have to wonder how Montreal 
is going to ever host an outdoor game. And to me, that's the one thing, before Edmonton gets a second one, I would have to say that they have to find a way to appease, you know, the, the largest single fan base in the country, and that's the English and French market of Montreal. Eight million plus in that province. I mean, it's a huge deal. And despite the tremendous fan support the Lovell Rouge or get, um, they also play in a facility that is sub-25,000, so it doesn't make any sense. You know, the interesting thing is you... you, you I mean, I, I know the league has looked at every aspect. We actually, at one point, looked at uh, doing a game in Central Park in New York and, and building a portable stadium uh, in, in Strawberry Fields. And the cost of building the portable stadium to justify the cost was prohibitive to actually making money. Let's face it, at 85,000 people yesterday in Dallas... You're making money. You did okay. You did okay for the owners, you did okay for the teams, you did okay for the players who get 50% of that revenue. That's they become That becomes the measuring stick for all of this, is how do you buy the gate from the home team and then make money from it and that's going to be the challenge of any place if you build a portable stadium even in Montreal with such a great fan base. One final question for John Shannon our NHL insider Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now and it pertains to John Tortorella. Uh, fined by the NHL I mean hey the, the easy way to do this is to work things behind cl closed doors we made the Charlie Rich reference the other day uh, now that it's all kind of passed a bit and the fine has been uh, uh, dealt, uh, from your perspective, what's the sort of overview on this now that it's done? Well, first of all, he did he, he did the one thing for the Columbus fan base that every Columbus Blue Jacket fan loves, so he's probably endeared himself to, a, uh, to, to the fan base in Ohio. Um, the, the other interesting aspect of the $20,000 fine, Bob, is too, he's basically been given a, a second fine already if he says anything stupid in the next year. So it's I, I call it a press conference probation. Uh, so if he says anything, that'll cost him another $25,000. Not the first time the league has done it. They've done it in past 30 years uh, a few times, including once to Tortorella. Um, John tells people that he's changed, uh, but what he does in many ways, uh, he tries to protect his players. His players love playing for him. And there's no way that he's going to go in and yell at his own team for losing a 2-0 lead. He's got to do it somewhere, and it just so happens it becomes the press conference. Whether it's premeditated or whether it's just the emotional guy from suburban Boston that makes the difference, John Tortorella has lived a long life in the NHL and knows how to survive. And I suspect that we won't hear anything like this from Tortorella at all, or probably the press conferences are getting it much shorter. John, as always, thank you for your time. Always great to be in Buffalo, Bob. That is Bob Stoffer in conversation with our NHL insider, John Shannon. It's an Oilers game day. Sabres and Oilers from Buffalo coming up here on 630 Ched. Puck drop just after 5 o'clock. City Ford Faceoff show begins coverage at 3.30. Right now, we're going to press pause. We'll be back. A one-on-one -on -one conversation with... The man who scored the empty netter against the Rangers, Kyler Yamamoto. It's Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Hi, this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. It is Brendan Escott steering the ship home today. It's the Thursday edition of Oilers Now. Hope you enjoyed the holiday stretch, by the way. Coming out of that and the Oilers... 
Well, they got a tough road trip to take care of, and it starts tonight. Again, 3.30 for the face-off show, 5 o'clock for Sabres Oilers here on 6.30. Ched, this evening, Buffalo coming in having lost four games in a row. It was all roses for a while under Ralph Kruger, as mentioned previously on the show. The Oilers trying to find their footing and perhaps a little more consistency. Would love to see Mike Smith really step up, and I think Mike Smith would love to see Mike Smith really step up tonight for this group as well. Um, a lot of talk early in the season about outscoring their mistakes. Maybe that sixth spot that they put up against the Rangers reminds them that they can get some support support scoring when everybody's pulling on the same rope. Let's go to this day in Oilers history. It's brought to you by New West Travel. You can join Oilers now on a great road trip to see the Oilers play the Hawks in Chicago. Call New West Travel or go online at newwesttravel.com. On this day back in 1980, in a game against the Oilers that ended in a 3-3 tie at Northlands, Gordie Howe became the first NHLer to play in five different decades when he suited up for the Hartford Whalers as part of his last NHL season. Now, this was obviously right at the end of his career, but that's pretty well incomprehensible at this point. I don't know if it's just the nature of the game. I don't know if it's, you know, the salary that you accumulate earlier in your career, but you just don't see that kind of longevity in any sort of sport really anymore. Um, Interesting day back in 1980. I was about 14 years away from existence at that point. Where were you? All right, let's do this. We've got uh, a couple of young uh, emerging players here. One of them uh, firmly on the map is the pick that went behind Connor McDavid. That is Jack Eichel, rather. He had a one-on-one with Jack Michaels. Ooh, that's an interesting one. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, Kyler Yamamoto, who scored his first goal of the season into the empty net on Tuesday night, had a chat with Bob pregame. Well, Kyler, uh, nothing like making a first impression in front of a new coach. Uh, we, I, I talked a lot to people down in uh, Bakersfield this year. You're a different player. Uh, you're punctual. You're on time. Uh, not that you were a professional before, but did you do do some soul searching this summer or some focusing? And obviously, you dealt with some injury issues, which were a little bit frustrating. But you know, what sort of things have you, you kind of focused in on that you think uh, you know might translate into a greater success down the road? Just being more of a pro. Um, you know, I think just make sure you're on time. Um, you know, early to everything. Um, you know, I give a lot of credit to Brad Malone um, down there. He was my roommate down there, um, really close to him, and you know he's helped me out a lot this year. Um, you know, just being being there for me. Um, you know, just kind of like showing me that leadership role. Um, you know, showing me um, what to do uh, day in and day out, how to be a pro. So, um, give a lot of credit to him. You know, there's uh, 90 seconds left in the hockey game. You're playing your first game this season for a new coach, and he puts you out on the ice uh, when the opposition's got the goalie pulled. Is there any greater positive reinforcement than that for a player? Uh, no. Um, you know, it's a huge honor. Um, you know, to be out there with uh, 90 seconds left, um, you know, it shows you're building, um, you know, trust with the coach, um, which is a huge thing. Um, and, you know, hopefully I can just build off of that. Tonight, looks like it's going to be Nugent Hopkins and Leon with you, but it was Leon the other night. Uh, gave you a real good look. What's the key to playing with Leon and how important is it for you? to not change who you are, just continue being you are and not necessarily defer to a player of Leon's caliber. Um, it's huge. Um, you know, I mean, when the play's there, you got to make it, but, um, you know, I think if you defer to him too much, um, you know, it kind of just handcuffs him um, or trying to get the puck to him too much when he's not open. Um, so I think playing your own game um, is huge. Um, and, you know, I think just bringing that energy, um, you know, to that line, um, you know, getting quick on the forecheck or quick on pucks, um, I think it's going to be huge tonight. You played in the World Junior Championship here in Buffalo and you played in the outdoor game uh, against Canada. What was that like? Uh, it was crazy. Um, you know, something... 
I may never um, experience again, but um, you know, being able to experience that um, during the World Juniors was uh, you know a dream come true. Um, it was one of a kind, and um, you know, excited to come back to this building and uh, you know play an NHL game in here. That is Oilers prospect Kyler Yamamoto, his second game of the season coming tonight on the road in Buffalo. We'll hear from the Sabres captain. This guy's had uh, quite a breakout season. Some would say it's about time. Jack Eichel in conversation with Jack Michaels, and he talked about playing for Ralph Kruger. He does a good job of that. He doesn't carry his emotions from one day to another, so um, just hit the reset button in new game tonight. Is it easier for the team to park it when your coach is doing it? Absolutely, absolutely. What? Uh, how do you assess the matchup with Edmonton, considering that triggered a, a nice little run for you guys when you got that win up there? Yeah, obviously it's emotional for him. Uh, him, you know, being a coach in Edmonton, he uh, obviously this game means a lot to him. So, um, you know, we're a group in here that uh, strongly believes in him. So, uh, we know how passionate he is about uh, when he plays the others. So, uh, you know, we want to go out there and perform for him. You've had two separate pretty good runs this year. Because of that, do you still feel like there's time to get back in the race? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, we're halfway through the season, so there's a lot of hockey to be played. I think there's plenty of time to uh, find our game again. The one constant has been Victor and Sam on your wings. Why do you think that line has had so much chemistry? Um, all smart players, high hockey, hockey IQ, and obviously we've been able to uh, take another step I think uh, in the last month or whatever you might want to call it I think we've just been uh, been working hard and you know doing a good job forechecking playing uh, you know doing good things away from the puck obviously last game it's tough when you're out there for a few goals against but uh, you know if we clean that up we've had success last time was the second of a back-to-back when you went into Edmonton you played kind of a simple game and it worked out for you but most of the time when these two teams play there's a lot of pace yeah. is that something you've noticed in prior matches? yeah obviously they have a lot of speed over there, right? They're an offensive team. They uh, they want to push the pace for a team that uh, obviously want to try and contain their speed and play as much time down the end as we can. That is Jack Eichel, seventh in NHL scoring, third if 25 goals this season. That does it for the Thursday edition of Oilers Now. Reminder, the City Ford Face-Off show coming up just around the corner. 3.30 for that. It's a 5 o'clock puck drop on 6.30. Chad. Tomorrow, we've got Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey on Rogers, Sportsnet Mark Spector for the horses, horse racing Alberta, and a recap, of course, of the Oilers game tonight. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by a simulcast of Rob Breckenridge out of CHQR 770 down in Calgary. So long, everybody, from the 630 Chad Studios. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.